Hi there, a quick note before the episode begins. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bienvenidos and welcome to Miha on the Mic, where me, Miha, interviews daughters of immigrants who are making moves in their industries around the world. Today, I'm so excited to invite radio host and music director, Jesse Ortiz. Thank you so much for joining me, Jesse. Is it Jesse or Jesse? First of all, thank you so much for asking, porque a veces la gente se olvida. So um, it's actually Jesse with the Y. So yeah, it's I know it's pronounced sometimes in Mexico like Jesse, but... Um, I, my mom wanted to make sure I was pronounced Yesi. I always ask because I've, I've been a victim of it. Some people call me Glory, even though my name is Lori. It's, it's happened. So I just say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Yesi. So I want to start off. This is going to be a conversation about your cultural background, about how your, your work is influenced by, you know, your identity and culture. Um, so let's get started with you telling us a little bit about your family's immigration story. You know, where are you from? Where are your family? Where are your people from? Where are your roots? So both of my parents are from Cuernavaca, Morelos in Mexico. And I always like to say that I was um, made in Mexico, born in the U.S. because my mom was pregnant with me when she came to the United States. My sister, my older sister was born in Mexico um, and my mom got pregnant with me and uh, wanted to come to the United States to, you know, give me and my sister an opportunity to have a better quality of life than what she was living in Cuernavaca. She didn't grow up wealthy. You know, my grandmother who's still around, you know, she's still working on her house and the compras up and down the streets of Mexico. <laughs> it's like, you know, she comes from a very hardworking um, single mom and uh, she definitely wanted to continue that with us. So there was a lot of things that we were instilled from her past um, that I still take with me. And then in terms of my father, my dad, um, they both, they were divorced. I think by the time I was even born, they weren't together. So like they weren't really ever married, but they were um, just not around as much as he was just, he wasn't around as much as my mom was because I was with my mom, but he and his family, uh, my grandmother in particular from Michoacan, um, my grandmother from Michoacan and my dad grew up as well in Cuernavaca, coming to the United States, uh, becoming a chef, um, trying to his uh, trying to work through his culinary art skills. 
And my mom became a um, U.S. citizen and uh, became uh, working in accounts payable, accounts receivable, learning how to speak English through music, listening through music and learning how to speak English that way. As a matter of fact, my first language was Spanish. Spanish was my first language. And I, later on, I learned how to speak English. Girl, same. <laughs> and then, y luego se te olvida el, Sp el Spanish, you know what I mean? Because you're in the United States for so long. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, yeah. how do you say that? <laughs> it's always the same. You know, when you're bilingual, it's it's hard to say which one is the first one after a certain amount of time. It's 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 tough. And you end up, tú no mezclas todo el tiempo, like all, all day. Yeah. All day, every yeah. day. Um, And it's a beautiful skill. I feel like, you know, for a long time, I, I didn't see the value in it um, until, you know, I really started connecting with other people in the media world that are also like of Latin backgrounds, because then you're yeah. like, okay, it's our superpower. Why didn't we realize it before, you know? <laughs> Right. Because for the longest time, I didn't realize it was a superpower. If anything, I felt like ashamed that I didn't know how to properly pronounce pizza or passport, you know, like passport. I was really trying to figure out like, oh, I do I belong here? <laughs> I love that because, you know, you, you're a radio journalist, right? And so I, you know, you, you use so much of your voice and, and so much of your work is around raising your voice through across this, this cultural divide, right? Yeah. So tell us about that journey, because I know you started out in hip hop. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear, you know, how you got into that, that world um, growing up. Yeah. You know, um, definitely being able to be in radio um, at, the time and an era where radio was actually like listened to all the time, you know, before, before the pandemic hit radio was actually like something that people still gravitated to and they still do, but not as much as they did back then. And the way I started was I knew music made uh, people happy because through my mom, my mom again, learned to speak English through listening to music like the Bee Gees and Madonna. And, you know, of course she listened to Rock en Español, Alejandra Guzman, and she loved like all that, but she was in the United States and she loved rock. She loved Motley Crue and she loved, you know, my mom is low key a rockera, you know, she, it's funny because there's so many people in my community in LA, they're like, oh, my mom is a chola. And I go, oh, my mom is a rockera. <laughs> so she loved Enanitos Verdes, but she also loved the Bee Gees, like I said, and Donna and Michael Jackson and pop music. And it made her happy. And a lot of times I saw my mom really miserable and she wasn't, you know, she had a really rough upbringing. And I think she portrayed a lot of that, you know, to her, her daughters, like most immigrant parents, you know, that's where I think the root of mental health comes in. And it's not often talked about. But when I saw how happy it made her, I was like, man, you know, I think that's what sparked my curiosity in music first. And I knew I wanted to do something in music. And when I realized growing up, I was very, very shy because of my duolingual, like the fact that I couldn't really speak English very well. And I couldn't speak Spanish very well anymore. I was like in between and it made me feel really uncomfortable and very self-conscious of myself, but I love music so much. It made me feel so good. And, um, I got into this space of curiosity. What is radio? What does that look like? What does that sound like? And I started going to a school in, uh, Orange County, California, where I was able to study what a studio looks like, what a radio station looks like, learning formats, learning programming, learning editing, audio, the importance of all those things. 
And I just really loved it. I really, really loved it. And then I was able to be in a studio with closed doors, no windows, and just a microphone. And for the first time, I felt like I could be myself. You know, it's funny because everyone says, well, you're on radio. You're not shy. No, it was because I was shy that I was in radio. It was because I couldn't really feel like I could be myself in front of people without them staring at me, like trying to decipher what is she trying to say? What words is she wanting to, what is she trying to convey to me? I just like wanted to feel like I could be myself. And I think for me, that's why I fell in love with radio so much because I felt like it'd be, I could be myself with no judgments and no one's going to tell me back anything, <laughs> you know? And then you combine that with music and it was like a perfect marriage for me. So I went to school. My first job was in Las Vegas doing hip hop. And then I did a Latin hip hop show in Vegas, a Sunday night Latin hip hop show, which was incredible. Um, and I was able to bring community together in Vegas. And I was, I'm very proud of that because they didn't have it in Las Vegas. And that scene was so unnoticed. And I was proud to be able to bring unity together in front of a radio station, like a tailgate party every Sunday night when my Latin hip hop show would be on. And then um, from there, I went to Tijuana and I lived in Tijuana and I did radio in Tijuana as a bilingual radio station, San Diego at a pop radio station, which was completely different for me. And then I landed at Power 106, which was a hip hop station. And that was in the span of like five or six years, like five years of my journey. And when I got to LA, it was a whole other thing about, can you sound more Latina? What is that? Is it more like like <laughs> Sofia Vergara or what is the whole <laughs> girl? If I, I a whole book could be written about how I should have spoke my entire life, it was crazy. What was the so that what must have been such a challenge for you because you you in your head you sound like a Latina because that's that's who you are. So what is the thing that they kind of would say to you? What would they say? I remember going into the radio station and said, "Well, if you can just add a." A, a word here and there to identify that you're, that you speak Spanish. My name is Jesse Ortiz. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what you want me to sound like. And then there were times where I would try and go to audition for hosting gigs, like for television magazine type shows. And they wanted me to sound like a Salma Hayek or a Sofia Vergara, you know, and I love those women, but, and I, their accents are beautiful beautiful. But I didn't speak like that, but they wanted me to speak more with a, a very strong accent. You know, and my entire life, I'm trying to say the word pizza, right? You know, an American word. And now they want me to, so I was very confused. The language in, in radio is very important. Verbiage and words are very important. So at some point, at one point in my life, I said, you know what, I'm just going to be, continue to be me because that's how I got here. And you're going to get what you're going to get. If I'm going to speak Spanish, I'm going to speak Spanish. You know, I'm not like it is what it is, you know. So that that was also at a time where you're kind of still growing into your own. You know, you're growing into a young woman and I'm taking care of a, uh, an entire family where you're just kind of being complicit and you're just kind of going with going with the flow because, you know, I wish I would have spoken up some more. Um, 
you know, but I didn't, I was, I was still learning a lot and I still had a lot of growth to do. And, you know, I'm glad that I'm able to talk about these things now. I think that's so valuable that you had both experiences as well. And also that, you know, when, when you mentioned Salma Hayek and Sofia Vergara, you say that and you say, those are beautiful accents too. It's not that I don't want to do them because they're bad. It's more because they're not the only ones that exist. And that's not the only version of Latinidad that exists. And I love that discourse because I always hear this like, oh, I don't want to do that accent, but there's never a, but that accent's not bad. It's, it's, you no, know, it's, they're beautiful. Yeah. My mom yeah. sounds like it's that. It's, like, you know, and, and yeah. my tias sound like that, but I don't sound like that. Um, and that's okay. And so why not share the generational differences, you know, and, and highlight all the different kind of layers of bilingualism we can have. And I think that's so great that, you know, you have that reflection and in your career, you've been able to kind of move past that and be able to kind of really own your identity as a radio host. What was the moment where you kind of felt like you actually, you know, you owned your voice, like you got to the point where you found that voice that you're comfortable with? Like, can you share a little bit about maybe that, um, maybe an experience or maybe an, uh, an interview that you did or something that kind of really to you felt like, you know what, I really felt like that was me today, you know, that I got it. I think there was actual moments in my entire career where I felt like I wanted to, I was always proud of my identity, but I think there were moments throughout my entire career that I remember happening. However, there were also, there was also a time where I really was like, this is who I am. And it was when I was transitioning from Power 106, a hip hop station uh, in Los Angeles. This was back in 2018. And I got into the business in 2003. So though I was very proud to do the Latin hip hop show, this is who I am. This is what I want to what I want to contribute to the music industry. And I've done a lot of philanthropy work and community work in between. It wasn't until 2018 and 2021 during that time believe it or not, that I was really fighting 10 times harder to show people that Latinos were more than just what they perceived us to be. Because it was a pop radio station that wanted to cater to the Latino market, or as they like to call us, the Hispanic market. Um, I don't identify with the word Hispanic, but I know a lot of people do, so I don't want to take away from there, that approach, but um, the corporate America really likes to use that word Hispanic market. So for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to use it. And so I wanted to make sure that they knew that we were more than just tacos and tamales and margaritas and, you know, whatever they thought that they were. And I had to fight every day to say, stop with that. Like, no. I remember putting together like a vision board. I had my intern and I, I said, I want, I want to cut like old school. Like we cut magazines and took pictures and I did a vision board of what to me Latinas are, you know? And it was like, it was, it, it was everything from Selena to Ariana Grande to Madonna to like Lil Kim to Bad Bunny, of course. Like, it was just like a whole array of stuff, you know? Um, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, like, just in terms of music. And then in terms of clothing, it was all these brands, you know, that we shop at. So we shop at all these brands. 
I don't know why you think that we're only shopping at these markets. We we shop at these markets, yes, and there is more. And I remember putting these like vision boards together and I'm like, you know, enough is enough. I have to show you what we, who we are. Like I can't, I'm telling you and I'm telling you and it's not sitting in it. And it was such a, it was so frustrating to me. And I remember, remember when I found out that Bad Bunny and Drake were coming out with a song together. Do you remember that song, Bad Bunny and Drake, right? It was the biggest thing ever. And I remember I found out like before it came out, I said, Rumor has it, I had industry information, Drake and Bad Bunny are coming out with a song. And they were like, well, we don't play Bad Bunny. I said, no, no, you're not listening. Drake and Bad Bunny are coming out with a song, but Bad Bunny speaks Spanish. Bad Bunny is music, which is pop music with Spanish lyrics. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand. And it was like hard for you to argue that. Now he's like one of the biggest artists in the world. (laughs) Which is wild. Yeah. And nobody cares if he doesn't speak English at this point. But those were the battles that I felt like those were the moments that I really was like, you know, I, I had to, I ha- I couldn't let my, I felt like at that time I couldn't let my people down, you know, I was like, no, I'm going to go in there. With sh- <laughs> so upset. I think those, those for sure were the years that really made me put my foot down. That's incredible. And I love that you stood by it, you know, and, and you were there, you were there when they, when they weren't paying attention to Bad Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was so mad. I was like, ah, I was so mad. <laughs> I love to hear it. But you know, yeah. So that, I mean, it was more to it too. There was a lot of micro microaggressions that were happening and there was a lot of, cultural appropriation that I had to call out and I had to call out certain marketing plans that they wanted to do in our market that was in bad taste. Um, And so it was, it was really frustrating. It took a toll on my mental health as well. You took it in stride though, it seems like, because then afterwards it inspired you to do quite a lot of charity work and, and organizing, no? Um, can you tell us about that? Like uh, the Lima Coalition and, and, you know, the work that you've done around mental health as well. You have that podcast, um, whichever one kind of most resonates with, with, you know, that frustration that you were feeling at that time, you know, what, what pushed you to do this? The Lima Coalition was a conversation that I had been having with friends for, for years, I would say for the last, like, several years of my career prior to me going to that pop station, but we never really took action on it because we didn't know how we wanted to format it, what we, what we wanted to format. We knew the conversations, like we all know there's a conversation happening. Okay. But what, what kind of actions do you take now from those conversations? Right? So we had all these conversations for years and finally we decided, well, let's just get a group of other Latinos and have conversations again and see what comes like a brainstorm. And um, we created the Lima Coalition, Latinos in Media and Arts. And it's usually, and it was, it was to really form a pipeline for young students in high school um, and, uh, and be able to be a pipeline for them to get into the industry while also amplifying the work that the Latinos in the positions that are in the industry, we can amplify their work and find ways that we can support them for them to get into positions of power. So we wanted to be that bridge, right? And um, we created, we started doing career days in school. 
I started doing career days in school at different high schools and bringing in Latinos from Hollywood, from all different types of, of this, the industry, from music, from art, uh, you know, fashion, social media, digital marketing, all Latinos doing some wonderful things, even law, um, because he was an entertainment lawyer. And so we really wanted to highlight the work and really understand that what representation matters also matters behind the screen. So what's in front of you, but also behind what's behind. And then we partnered up with the International Latino Film Festival, and we became a partner, a community partner with them, where we were able to take some of the students that we had been mentoring and put them on the red carpet, right? And have them interview those little, the celebrities or the artists, the actors that come in and whether it was a smaller film or a bigger film, like we wanted to put them in the red carpet and give them that experience while also supporting a big organization like La Leaf. So it was uh, exactly what we envisioned. And we hope to continue that in, in our, in our work and figuring out ways to continue to brand that way. And the mental health uh, podcast came in when um, my husband is a psychologist and he would see me struggle so much about these, these people in corporate America it would get me so mad. <laughs> It's like, it's really affecting your mental health. I'm like, I know. And um, I started learning more and more about mental health and the advocacy and the importance and the stigma around it in our community and black and brown communities in particular. And after the, um, after Filandro Castile died uh, here, there was a, in the U.S., he was somebody who died at the hands of police, you know, right before George Floyd. There were already, you know, kids being killed, right? And nobody was talking about how it was affecting their mental health. And um, I was able to really just kind of start this podcast with my husband because he's a psychologist and I was a producer of the show. And we were trying to talk to celebrities who have the platform to be more open about having conversations um, around Black mental health, Latino uh, mental health, and and just really kind of understanding the importance of it. And so we launched the Mental Health is Real, and we wanted to make sure that real was an acronym for reflecting empathy and love, because that's what we need more of, compassion and love. That's incredible. When I, when I found your profile and I look at your career, it's so empowering to hear of a woman who really has taken the time to navigate the system and now has found a way to work towards making it better, to be honest. For young journalists, I wish I had known about you before when I was a young journalist in public radio, young Latina journalist who found that my voice was not important because it was not it was Spanish was not necessary in public radio and who eventually ended up leaving because I didn't see opportunities there. And so, you know, I love being able to hear stories like yours because it's what we need more of. And and honestly, um, thank you. Thank you for making this space. For all of the the young women who have been afraid to to go into the media, yeah, in particular because they don't think that their voice matters, your story and the way that you have worked for so many years to do the work that you've been doing is just proof that you can do it. So I'm just, it's, estoy emocionada. O sea, me, me impacta mucho lo que haces y lo que has hecho en tu carrera es es increíble. Entonces de verdad, gracias por todo y like it's a pleasure to be able to highlight a profile like yours. It's amazing. Um, and now that, you know, we've 
gone through all of these wonderful things that you've done. We're coming to the end. And so I just want to ask you some quick speed round questions. So this is really just going to be more fun, uh, light stuff about your, your bilingual, bicultural vida. So answer as quickly as you can. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. So what language do you swear in when you accidentally touch a hot plate? Oh, Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite food? Italian. What song have you had in your head all week? Oh gosh. Um I I don't know. <laughs> that one's a hard one. That one's a hard one because I don't I like to switch it up. <laughs> no problem. If you didn't have anything come to mind, it's okay. <laughs> What's your last Google search that you're comfortable sharing? My last Google search was um uh, believe it or not, it was uh <laughs> How do you look for refrigerator gaskets? <laughs> real adult stuff. My real adult <laughs> stuff. Refrigerator gaskets. Stuff. <laughs> I love it. Um, what's an embarrassing dream that you might have had when you were a kid growing up? What did you want to be when you grew up? What I wanted to be when I grew up. I don't know if it was embarrassing, but I wanted to be a nurse when I wanted, when I grew up. Well, I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but I can share with you what I want to be when I retire. Okay. What is it? So my dream to be retired and I want to, my dream is when I retire, I want to be a crosswalk lady. It I is, love that. <laughs> I, I want to be a crosswalk lady so bad when I retire. I just want to make my, my, my successful journey in life. And I want to be able to hold the stop sign sign with my vest and Make sure the kids get from one side of the street to the other side of the street. I want to be a crosswalk lady. I love it. I'm so excited. Me encanta. It's a beautiful image. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for, for your time. Tell us where we can follow you. How can we support your charity work in any way? Um, tell us. So yes, at Yesi Ortiz on Instagram. And also if um, for anybody who ever finds themselves in the West Coast, I am a founder and owner of the Chicano Music Festival. So we'll have the next Chicano Music Festival, May uh, 2024 in San Diego. You are invited in all your folks. Um, But chicanomusicfest.com as well. One last thing. What's your advice for young journalists, young radio Latinas, um, who are afraid to kind of jump into this media world? Oh, don't be afraid. I know it's scary, but partner with people, um, surround yourself with the people who believe in you. And if you can find a mentor or someone who you can talk to um, that you feel comfortable with and you trust to help guide you through your life, like if that's what you need, do that. But but don't don't get scared. I know it's scary. I know it's hard um, sometimes, but if that's what you want to do, if that is your passion and that makes you happy, then go for it. You know, echale ganas, do it. Don't, don't let anybody else tell you anything else. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thanks for listening. This is Miha on the Mic, a season of reflection on our shared experiences as daughters of immigrants. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing stories like these and inviting guests to share theirs. Follow us on Instagram at Mija Podcast, that's M-I-J-A Podcast, and leave us a note if you like this story. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. 
This is a production of Studio Ochenta, a Latina-owned multilingual podcast studio dedicated to raising voices across cultures. For more from Studio Ochenta, follow us at Ochenta Podcasts on Instagram. That's O-C-H-E-N-T-A podcast with an S on Instagram. P.S. Don't forget this season is also about you. If you have a story you'd like to share or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I invite you to reach out on Instagram at Miha Podcast and leave us a message with a short story or memory of yours that warms your heart. We'll read it out loud on the show. Hasta pronto. Ciao. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French.